The first reading is from Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And second reading from Matthew 18, starting verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Thanks so much, Josh, for reading to us. And if you've joined us since the start of the service, let me extend a welcome to you. It's great to have you with us this lunchtime. As we begin, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather together this lunchtime to look at your words. Please would you open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I love the musical Hamilton. It has so many amazing songs, but for me, one of the most powerful moments comes in one of the less well-known songs in the second act. I'll try not to ruin too much of the plot for those who haven't seen it, but by this point of the musical, there has been a major breakdown in the relationship between the protagonist, Alexander Hamilton, and his wife, Eliza. They had both just gone through a massive tragedy which arguably Hamilton was partly responsible for, and they're both trying to process their grief. Near the end of the song, It's Quiet Uptown, there is this beautiful and powerful moment when Eliza takes Alexander's hand and the chorus sings, 
Forgiveness, can you imagine? Forgiveness, can you imagine? Our world doesn't really handle forgiveness very well. It can often be hard to imagine. And in politics, forgiveness isn't really something which is seen as that worthwhile. We speak of vengeful MPs being returned to the backbenches. We speak of the voters not being forgiving. Forgiveness can seem unimaginable. As Claire said, we are currently working our way through the Lord's Prayer and we have reached the line, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And I wonder, which part of that do you find most unimaginable? Is it being forgiven? Do you feel like you have messed up so much that you can't imagine ever receiving forgiveness? Do you have let your family, your friends, your colleagues, yourself, even God down, that you don't deserve forgiveness? Or is it the forgiving others bit more challenging to you? Do you struggle to forgive other people? Is there someone who has wronged you in such a way that you can't imagine ever being able to forgive them? Forgiveness is integral to Christianity. And the two sides, being forgiven and forgiving others, are inextricably linked. To help us delve into this this lunchtime, we're going to look at a parable Jesus tells in answer to a question about forgiveness in Matthew chapter 18. This parable splits into broadly two parts, which will form our two points for today. Firstly, the interaction between the king and the first servant, the forgiveness we have received. And then secondly, the interaction between the first servant and the second servant, the forgiveness we are to give. So firstly, the forgiveness we have received. In this parable that Jesus tells, we are the first servant and God is the king. The amount that the servant owed is huge. In the Greek, 10,000 talents. The talent was the highest unit of currency and 10,000 the largest Greek numeral. This is to convey a huge number. Billions of pounds would give a similar effect in today's currency. Basically, this is an amount of money that the servant would never have been able to repay. And we are all like that servant. We owe God a debt, not of money, but for what Christians call sin. Some of us might want to shy away from that word, but sin is basically all the times we have turned away from God. All the careless words, the unkind thoughts, the selfish acts, the failure to put God first and to live in his way. We might feel like we are not that bad, but all of us have done wrong. As Romans 3 verse 23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We might not be as bad as a serial killer or a brutal dictator, but that is not the comparison we should be making. Because compared to the glory and holiness and goodness of God, every single one of us has fallen short. The theologian and former Bishop of Durham, Tom Wright, helpfully explains this. From God's point of view, the distance between being ordinarily sinful and extremely sinful is like the distance from London to Paris, seen from the point of view of the sun. But like the servant, we can be forgiven. We read in the parable that the king took pity on him and cancelled his debt. 
In an instant, his debt is erased. Just that word was enough to set him free from a lifetime of debt. Now, this would have been at cost to the king. Those 10,000 talents didn't just magically disappear. He would have had to absorb that cost and take the financial hit. But he chose to do it anyway. And this is what happens on the cross. Jesus, God himself, takes the hit of all the sin and evil in the world. All that debt that we owe to God and suffers so that we can be forgiven and have life. The last words of Jesus on the cross recorded in John's Gospel are, It is finished. Words which in the Greek could also be used in the context of debts being paid. In an instant, we, like the servants, have been forgiven. And as we sang earlier, this is amazing grace. This forgiveness is completely undeserved. The servant in the parable did not deserve the mercy he received from the king. It had absolutely nothing to do with his actions or his merits, but the king forgave him anyway. And the same is true of us. No matter what we have done, no matter how big, if we turn to God in repentance and say sorry, we can be forgiven. This forgiveness is not based on anything we do, on trying to be good, trying to buy our way back into God's favour, but it's based entirely on what Jesus has done for us. If you've never accepted God's forgiveness before, why not do that this lunchtime? God is waiting to forgive you and give you a fresh start. All you have to do is turn to him and say sorry. And as a result of this forgiveness, we are transformed. In Christ, we are given a new identity. We are now his people, and this means we are to live in his way. As 1 Peter 2 verse 10 says, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Forgiveness is part of what defines us as Christians. As the Christian writer Michael Green wrote, the Christian life is born in forgiveness and it must characterise us all the way through our relationships. And this is how the two parts of forgiveness are linked. Our own forgiveness is an integral part of understanding how we should forgive other people. And so we move on to the second part of the parable, the forgiveness we are to give. We now find out that the first servant is owed some money by another servant, but this first servant does not want to forgive the debt. When reading the parable, we can see how unreasonable the servant is being. Of course he should let his fellow servant off the debt, because that was how he was treated by the king. It would be hypocritical not to. Yes, the amount of money the second servant owed was still a lot, maybe a few thousand pounds today, but it pales into insignificance when compared to the much greater debt the first servant had been freed from. It's about one six hundred thousandth of the first debt. It's easy to see how ridiculous the first servant is being when we stand back and take a detached view. I suspect that when we put ourselves into the story, things get a bit more uncomfortable. We can so often act like the unmerciful servant ourselves and take his side. We are a new creation with a new identity, and because we are now a forgiving people, we also have to forgive. 
But this is incredibly countercultural. Very often our society tells us that we don't need to forgive someone. It's all about revenge and retribution and getting back at the people who hurt us. But being a forgiven people, and this meaning we have to forgive in turn, are deeply connected. Returning to the Lord's Prayer, we see this. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. In the teaching following the Lord's Prayer, Jesus also gives a similar message to to the one we get at the end of this parable. So in Matthew chapter 6, we heard read, it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. In the parable, the unmerciful servant is thrown into jail and tortured until he is able to pay back the debt he owes as a result of his actions. The idea that if we do not forgive, then we will not be forgiven is quite a tricky notion. It sounds quite legalistic. What about the other bits in the Bible where it says that all we need is to repent and believe in Jesus in order to receive forgiveness? Well, I think it depends on how we view forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a one-off thing which we can receive and then ignore. It's more fundamental than that. It's a way of life. It should shape who we are. Tom Wright helpfully explains it in this way. Forgiveness is more like the air in your lungs. There's only room for you to inhale the next lungful when you've just breathed out the previous one. If you insist on withholding it, refusing to give someone else the kiss of life that they may desperately need, you won't be able to take any more in yourself and you will suffocate very quickly. We are, of course, a work in progress and won't be able to perfectly model this, but we can't receive God's forgiveness if we're not willing to let it change us. A helpful working out of this can be seen in the Poles Art books. You might remember the TV adaptation from a few years ago. I was a big fan. Near the end of the third book, Ross discovers that his cousin Francis had betrayed him to his arch-enemy, George Warleggan, a year or so earlier, causing the collapse of one of his business ventures. While Ross is waiting to meet him, he runs into Andrew Blamey, who Francis has not forgiven for eloping with his sister. Francis turns up, leading to what could be an explosive situation. While Ross is working out what to do, it suddenly dawns on him that if he was expected to make a gesture of trust and forgiveness and understanding, who else should do the same? This crystallises the situation for Ross and he tells Francis that this is the last moment to wipe out the past. In other words, an opportunity to be forgiven for his own mistakes and also to pass his forgiveness onto others. And so Francis grasps this opportunity to be forgiven, but that does mean he has to learn to forgive the wrongs that have been done to him. Being forgiven changes who we are. We too must learn to forgive. However, it goes without saying that forgiveness is hard. It's easy to forgive things that don't really matter to us, but it's much harder to forgive those things that have really hurt us to our core. And so I briefly want to end with a few helpful pointers of forgiveness that I've come across over the years. 
Firstly, forgiveness does not mean that what the other person did was okay. After all, the servant in the parable was still owed the money, and you can understand that he would have liked to have been repaid. Forgiveness does not mean that we condone the other person's actions. Secondly, forgiveness is a choice. Very often we might not feel like forgiving someone, but so we mentally need to make that choice, and our feelings will follow. In the parable, the servant could have chosen not to demand repayment, even if he wasn't feeling very forgiving. We are called to forgive in the passage from our hearts, but the first step is often choosing to do this. If we repeatedly choose to forgive, God will use this to change us so that gradually our hearts will catch up with our heads. Thirdly, forgiveness is a journey. Very often we can want to forgive someone and think that we have, but then the next time we see them, all that resentment boils up again. Unlike God, we are fallible, and so we might need to forgive again and again over time before we can truly forgive and leave it behind us. And then lastly, forgiveness is part of the healing process. If we don't forgive someone, we are hanging onto that pain and anger, and it still has power over us. However, if we forgive someone, we can let go of all that pain and say that we do not want it to define us anymore. Now, of course, as I said, this isn't always easy, but we don't do it alone. Importantly, we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us, and we need to ask for this enabling power. It might be helpful to think of forgiveness as something that flows through us, We receive God's forgiveness through Jesus, and this then flows through us to enable us to forgive other people. So as we close, forgiveness, can you imagine? If forgiveness is currently unimaginable to you, remember this. Firstly, Jesus died for you so that you could be forgiven. There is nothing you can do which is too beyond the pale too far outside the reach of the love, mercy and grace of our God. And secondly, because of this, we are released and empowered to forgive others. This is not always easy, but we have the power of God on our side to help us do this. Let's pray to finish. Heavenly Father, thank you for the amazing forgiveness that you offer to each of us freely because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Help us to keep coming back to you to receive your forgiveness and help that to transform us so that we can forgive others. For anyone who's currently struggling to forgive someone right now, I pray that you will enable them to do that by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.